Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Welcome if you're new, welcome back if you're a regular. I hope you're having a cracking week, legends. Good luck to your team on the weekend. Good luck in your tipping comps. I hope you're doing better than me. It has been a disaster. Uh, so much happening in the world and also the world of rugby league for the next hour. We're just hopeful of taking your mind off any hassles or worries and letting you enjoy some of the game's finest giving us their thoughts. Some footy talk, some nonsense and the highest possible level of immaturity from a man who still laughs at dick and fart jokes. This is the Weekly Wodge. You've been warned. Comfortable and as a result, successful. That's how I saw the reunion of Andrew McCulloch and Ben Hunt at the Dragons last year. Benny played, I think, 15 games. Andrew, 21 maybe. Andrew joins us on Unfiltered. You two play better together than apart. True or false? Oh, I'd like to think so. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just been comfortable. I think um, years of understanding what each other want. It's uh, you know, and then they split moments in games. I think that just comes back to yeah, what you feel comfortable with and what you're used to. So we kind of know what each other's likes, uh, play to our strengths, and you know, obviously sort of bounce off each other what the team needs. You debuted oh eight. I reckon Benny was probably twelve months later, maybe the back end of oh nine. What does make a combination successful, especially hooker and half, because it's so important you're on the same page? Yeah, I think it just comes back to communication and it also helps being friends as well. You kind of tip each other up if you want something more of someone or they expect you to do something better. So it's quite easy and honest conversation. If it's straight to the point, it's um, straight to the point and everyone just gets on with it. So it's... um, yeah, it's just really refreshing and easy to have those tough conversations and you know, game plans and little things like that just make it easy. Who's the talker between the two of you on the field? Oh, he's, he's on the field. You know, I'm probably sucking him in a bit more doing all his work. <laughs> um, yeah, on the field, yeah, him. Off the field, we probably both don't talk that much. So um, you can uh, a lot of people can probably say that. Thanks for dropping in, mate. Chat soon. Yes. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Weekly Watch, and we've got a new segment, and it's called Embarrassing Moments as a Kid. Now, the reason I've chose this particular guest is because I'm good mates with his dad, and dad was only too happy to reveal some of his childhood behaviours. Billy Walters has joined us, and mate, as a young fella, come clean, you were crazy about Pokemon, I hear. Uh, he hasn't, has he? He has. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm getting pretty old now compared to some of these young boys. But yeah, I, I was our whole family was a bit crazy with Pokemon. We used to play it on the on the old Game Boys and and stuff. So uh, I think I know this is going, but I'll probably let you. So I want to see how much he's actually told you. There were cards and there were figurines. Is that right? How many are we talking, or <laughs> or is there too many? Uh there there'd be too many, I guess. I. I 
I wasn't too big on the cards. I, I was definitely pretty big on, on the figurines. Which mm, is that's exactly what I've been led to believe. I've also been uh, led yeah, to believe yeah. that the Pokemons would, on the lounge room floor, play footy against each other and you'd commentate. Oh, yeah, you know, young kid, loved footy growing up. I guess um, it's probably not what all young kids were doing with their Pokemon figurines, but um, yeah, it's something that I did that, that passed the time for me and, and it grew my imagination and, and grew my love for footy, I guess. So, um yeah, I, I definitely spent a lot longer, and I was probably a lot older than I'd probably like to admit um, <laughs> playing with these with these little figurines. But um, yeah, I guess it was part of my childhood. So absolutely, mate. This was at a time when Dad was coaching in France. Um, you also still speak fluent French, I believe. Nah, nah, not me. My older brother was pretty good, but not me. Really? Um, nah, I uh, could probably say hello and, and how you going, but that's about it. So is that um, it? Yeah, Dad thinks he he can talk French, but um, they used to call him the Russian French because he used to just blurt out absolutely nothing that <laughs> nothing resembled to French. So, but he thought he was doing good. He thought he was doing all right, but he was absolutely atrocious. Oh, I absolutely love it. Do you remember any of your time over there, or, or too young, mate? No, nah, yeah, I, I remember. That's why I was a bit hesitant to say how old I was. I was probably about thirteen, fourteen. So um, <laughs> I blame Dad for this because he took me out at probably my prime prime childhood I guess so he took me over there and, and my best mates were my two younger brothers who were bloody eight and six at the time or yeah, something yeah. like that so um yeah it wasn't great for my social stuff but um you know you got to take the positives out of it we, we got to go over there and we got to travel a lot um you know on the weekends we'd either just go to England or, or Italy or something like that Brilliant. so um it, it's great in that regard but um yeah he, he took us over to the south of France and um yeah we didn't we had to stay pretty close because we didn't really have anyone else on the outside <laughs> Love it. Thanks for having some fun, Billy. Chat again soon, legend. No worries. Thanks, mate. Would you like a personal message, something nice, something sweet, something highly inappropriate and downright rude? I can do that. I'm on Swish now, whatever your occasion, whatever the message. Go to heyswish.com, swish, S-W-Y-S-H. Go there and search Andy Raymond. Whatever you want, whenever you want, consider it done a cool and a different present for that special occasion or you don't even need an occasion. You might just want to give one of your mates a serve. The changes and the challenges of a winger. Wow, haven't the requirements for the position changed over this generation in particular? Josh Mansour has been a mainstay on the flank for a decade. What's changed the most, my friend, about what a winger needs and what a winger has to do? Well, definitely uh, there's a lot that goes into uh, playing wing. Uh, I know a lot of uh, old folks like to say, oh, you're just a winger, you know, this, that. But uh, saying that, you it's all it's all in seconds, really. Like if you're a second too early or a second too late, yep. you miss the pass or you miss a tackle and or you miss the kick. So there's a lot of defensive reads you got to you got to make as a winger, and um, with that comes a lot of pressure. So you got to stay calm, you got to stay connected with your inside man, and um, you definitely got to communicate a lot um, out there on the edge. So uh, for me personally, it just it's a it's a position that keeps keeps on growing. You know, yep. you just got to keep on adapting um, and. Uh, again, with the biggest the biggest job for wingers are uh, finishing tries. So yeah. um, for me, I'm very lucky to have been on an end of those, and uh, hopefully, I can get a, get on an end of a few more. Defensively, the wingers in the really tough position in the fact that if their opposing winger scores, they get the blame. But a winger is so reliant on the guy on his inside, his centre. Yeah. Without making the right decision and making it early because you've got to cover for him if he doesn't make the right one. And vice versa, 100%. Yeah. So, um, again, the centre and winger is a combination that they, you know, has to – it actually grows. It just doesn't happen overnight. Yep. Um, there's a lot of chemistry that, that goes behind the scenes. And, um, yeah, with the the centres and wingers, they just – if you can keep two together uh, – two. Pair, uh, pair together, sorry, yeah. um, a long period of time. They're just going to grow in that role and grow grow with each other. And, um, yeah, I've, I was actually – I've had a lot of uh, set of changes in my time, mm. but um, I was very lucky enough to kind of um, adapt and um, build a lot of combinations with those kind of guys. Late in a tackle count, the emphasis is on now almost a winger playing the other side fullback role. So someone's got to make a decision, when do I go back? And mm. then 
the most important two hit-ups of every set in 2021 and beyond is mm. the first two hit-ups. So you, as a winger, are automatically turning defence into attack in the space yeah. of 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you know what? The 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 best uh, the best hit-ups are the ones where you're right in the corner and you see... You see the forwards just ready to tee, tee off. Yes. <laughs> They're shoulder to shoulder. You've got no space to run run to. But, uh, again, it's a winger's job to kind of get the set started and uh, do your best to get the team on um, in good uh, field position. So, um, mate, I've, I've relished the role. I've, I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I guess that's that's kind of been my main strength over the years, kind of getting the team out of trouble and um, getting, getting momentum. Who's the one side that if you're trapped into a corner and you look up, and you think, oh, shit, here we go again. I'm going to wear bruises. Is there one side that just smashes up more so than anyone else? Personally, for me, I don't even look. I just run. I just run as hard as I can <laughs> and do my best, to be honest. But um, you know what? A few years ago, 2014, I was very lucky enough to play with Adam Dock and Nigel Plum. And these two oh. guys were the absolute hitmen hit of, the, of the league. Yep. Uh, they could hit so hard and... Uh, you know, well, I saw a lot of a lot of big hits from those two guys, and um, yeah, I'm lucky enough I wasn't running into them in the game. I'll tell you that. Oh, there is two absolute machines. Thanks for dropping in, Legend. It is always a pleasure to chat to you. Peace, brother. Thank you. I said right back when the podcast started, the guys that I have on as guests are mates. They're returning a favour. They don't need to be doing another bloody interview. They don't need to be giving their time away, but they do. Why? Because they're good blokes. Not because I'm a good bloke, because they're good blokes. This one is a beauty, and he's doing amazing things in his post-football career. Brenton Bowen is an active ambassador in the Deadly Choices program. He joins us now, mate. Give us a snapshot of what Deadly Choices is all about. Hey, Andy. Thank you. Um... Yeah, Deadly Choices. So basically it's, uh, it's a, a program or a service that um, empowers uh, Indigenous people in the community to make um, better choices uh, or make deadly choices in regards to um, eating healthy. It's about reinstating the well-being of your people. You deal with individuals, you deal with families. You guys are even dealing with, you know, generations of families together. That's that's really cool. Yeah, that's right. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention, it's about, um, I think it's how, how it all started off. It's, um, you know, wanting to close the gap in yep. um, life expectancy uh, among Indigenous um, Australians. So, um, yeah, so these programs are sort of targeted at uh, the programs that we deliver to schools um, and, and the community is around, um, you know, um, as far as it comes to uh, again, like you know, the health and the yep. well-being, um, le- this sort of educating students and the community around, you know, what's in cigarettes and what cigarettes can cause your body, um, you know, what's in alcohol and what, yep. why, what does that do to your body if you're, um, you know, drink, drinking excess alcohol. So, um, you know, those sort of things and. Now, when we go into the schools and we told these kids, you know, this is what's in cigarettes, um, nine times out of ten, they go back and tell their um, their, their parents, you know, yep. who, you know, may or may not be smokers, um, and we're seeing and we you know. So these programs are weekly, so we, you know, and nine, again, nine times out of ten, we um, the kids come back. And we see them the next week, and they say, "Oh, yeah, my parents are going to um, stop stop smoking now." Yeah. So you know, it's. Yeah, kind of. I suppose it sort of starts from the kids, and um, and I think if, if, whether we like it or not, the kids have a lot of say in you what we bet. do as as yeah, as uh, as parents. So yeah, yeah, the kids certainly do have a say, mate. You guys, when I say you guys, I mean you guys that played NRL football, and you're on the TV every yeah. week, and and the young Indigenous kids loved you. You've got a really proud place in Indigenous history in Australia. And these kids listen to you guys so closely, don't they? It's it's actually it's actually really, really cool because you are the mentors in their life. 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, we, we uh, there's um, myself, like we're, the full-time ones is myself, uh, Willie Tonga, yep. um, Petro, Seven Deceiver, uh, and then we've got um, ladies like Talisha Harden, um, you know, just come off the um, win in the um, the women's state of origin. Yep. So, you know, you've got um, people like these sort of, yeah, role models in the community um, going and giving back to the community, um, you know, and we go in there and um, tell um, the students and the community, you know, our journey, uh, what it takes to be an NRL player, um, you know, not just being an NRL player, um, what it takes to live a healthy Yep. and active um, life. So, yeah. Mate, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, you had a wonderful rugby league career, but I think what you're doing in retirement <laughs> is, is potentially even better. It's certainly far more important, an ambassador role in the Deadly Choices program. Thanks for your time, mate, and good luck in the future. No worries. Thank you, Andy. Random one for you. Was looking through some old games over the weekend. That's what I do. Sad. <laughs> I reckon I may have found the biggest forward pack ever. Ever, ever. 2002 State of Origin Series, Game 1. Again, New South Wales won easily uh, 32-4. But this Queensland forward pack, monstrous. Shane Webke, Kevin Campion and John Buttergig were the front row. Gordon Tallison, Petro Sivanasiva, the second row. And Dane Carlaw was the lock. Now, four of those six are 110 kilos plus. The other two not far off it. Webke, Campion, Buttergig, Talis, Sivanasiva and Carlaw, Land of the Giants, right there. It's awesome to be teaming up with Retro Rugby League videos, a Facebook page for the hardcore and tragic footy fan just like us. From the old Commonwealth Bank Cup to first grade, the collection of videos weekly is insane. Check them out, legends. Go to Facebook and simply search Retro Rugby League Videos. You'll love it. Galaxyfinance.com.au for all your financial needs. Ask for Leanne for a free chat for unfiltered listeners. That's Leanne at galaxyfinance.com.au. Um... Any episode, any time, you can listen to our entire library whenever it suits you. Our podcasts, they don't date ever. Let's wind back the clock and we'll change sports briefly. This is The Green Machine, Danny Green, from episodes 49, 50 and 51. From amazing highs, there were also some lows, Danny, in particular the Paul Briggs fight. So much controversy at the time. As you know it, what's the truth? Well, I guess, unfortunately for me, my um, role and me being, I was i was complicit in agreeing to fight Paul Briggs and that's where, <clears throat> um, I guess, uh, my part in that debacle in Australian boxing history uh, is. Paul Briggs approached... Jumped in the ring after uh, the Roy Jones victory. He was next to you, commentating with you, and he jumped in. He went up to Justin Malikas, who was my manager and promoter of Green Machine Boxing, and said, I want to fight Green. Let's get it on. That night, on the 2nd of December, we fought in 2010, end of July. It was July 26, roughly. So he had in his mind that he wanted to fight me on the 2nd of December 2009. So... He was in good nick. He was training. He was a trainer on the on the contender series, et cetera, and, and he hadn't fought for two and a half years. So after that, I wasn't told for another two or three weeks, Justin, who I call Molly, didn't tell me anything, just let me enjoy my victory over Roy Jones, and then said, um, Briggsy's, you know, put his put his hand up and wants to fight. What do you reckon? I said, he hasn't fought for two and a half years. That's the first thing I said. And I said, look, he's... he's, he's He's a hell of a fighter. Um, I don't know. I, I was really unsure yep. because he's been inactive. But he's the kind of fighter, he was the kind of fighter that could have had two and a half years in activity, come back and given anyone a very good scrap if he was on the job, if his mom was in the job. It is an all-time interview with Greeny. He continues the Paul Briggs story in its entirety. 
episodes 49, 50 and 51. One of my favourites was this next one, a terrific footballer and bloke, Chris Flannery, who was episode 58. That side, I reckon it changed the game and and their changes we're still seeing now. We've never seen a defence or a brutality like that. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Our line speed at that time, it was um, revolutionary, I guess, you know, how much speed uh, we had coming off the line and... Now, we practiced that day in, day out at training and um, it was down to the fact that we were the fittest team, in my opinion, at, at yeah. the time and, you know, we, we could do that. So, yeah, definitely changed things for the next few years and that line speed and, I guess, that aggression, um, you know, that's what, what Ricky wanted and, you know, we all uh, – well, that's how we trained every session. A seriously good but seriously tough footy side. Adrian Morley gets a lot of the credit – I agree. I'm going to toss up another name for you, a guy that's maybe the nicest person in the entire world and a guy that doesn't create headlines. He doesn't look like an executioner. But I actually thought Craig Fitzgibbon was the benchmark of toughness. Yeah, he that, was brutal. That's 100% right. Yeah, Fitzy was he was phenomenal. Um, he was just a machine on the training paddock, on the field. Mm. Uh, you know, If you watch some of those games, he would just go for 80 minutes um, and just – you know, 100 miles an hour the whole game. And, yeah, Fitzy was definitely the benchmark. Um, and, you know, as I said, he, he was one of the fittest guys in the club and he just demanded, um, you know, that we all uh, rise to the standards required. And, yeah, Fitzy definitely was leading the, the, the charge at that time. I, I remember, I think it was against Newcastle, uh, he took a, an intercept uh, down on our line and, mm. and Birchie ran the length of the field. That was in the semi-final. Uh, might have even been to go into that grand final actually, and um, yeah, for him to to at that time still be you know be able to score a length of the field yeah. try after all the work that he'd done was just amazing. Okay, time to go back to an older interview. This one with Johnny Sutton about his most famous and favourite game. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Let's rewind the clock. The date was Sunday, the fifth of October, twenty fourteen. The venue Sydney's Olympic Stadium, and the event. The NRL Grand Final between the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs in front of 83,833 fans. Our look at the game is through the eyes of South Sydney captain Johnny Sutton. Professionally, Johnny, is this the best day of your life? It was definitely. (laughs) Yeah, besides my um, two kids, it was definitely the best day of my life for sure. South had finished the year in third. You defeated the Seagulls and the Chooks in the final series. The Dogs had finished seventh. They were on a dream run. How was the week leading into a grand final? Is it exciting? Is it nervous? Is it long? Or is it just a blur? How do you recall it? I found it very exciting, um, to be honest. I think, um, you know, before the week started, you know, Madge wanted everyone to enjoy the week and, um, you know, be, be very positive and, you know, be happy around everyone. So, um, yeah, it was a really fun week, actually. Um, training was good. It was nice weather. You know, we had to do a few, few promos, but everyone was really relaxed and, um, yeah, ready for it. Is it an easy week to enjoy? Yeah, I thought it was an easy week. Cool. Um, obviously, as, as a captain, it was a bit for me to do, and but I just took it on um, – just took it on and just tried to enjoy it as much as possible. How bizarre both sides lost their starting hooker the week before. They lost Mick Ennis and you guys lost little bully Isaac Luke. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit of a um, weird one. They, you know, Mickey Ennis breaking his foot and um, bully on suspension. So, yeah, it was interesting. But, um, you know, we had a very good backup, hooky back, uh, backup hooker back then in Appy. Yeah. And, um he was he was a tremendous even on the on grand final night. He didn't actually get to play. I don't did many games throughout the year, so definitely for him to come into the team and you know leave a mark on the game was awesome. There's two blokes in Mick Ennis and Isaac Luke that could both get into a fight in a phone booth, isn't it? Two real to- <laughs> two talkers and aggressive little bastards. Yeah, that'd be good to get him in the ring. Yeah. Mate, so the whistle sounds and it started from tackle one. What do you remember of Sammy Burgess and James Graham coming together? Not really much at all, eh? Because um, after Sam hit it up, I was getting ready to have a run. So I wasn't 
really paying too much <laughs> attention, but um, it was probably uh, five or ten minutes into the game and um, we got a repeat and um, Sam tried to come up to me and say his, his, his face was busted and I sort of just, I had the angry head on at one stage because I, <laughs> I wanted Adam to, I wanted Adam to do a better kick, but he don't like, it was a, I don't know, it was an ordinary kick, but they knocked it on. So I was just fine, trying to find Adam and go, fuck, you know, yeah. kick the ball better than something. And Sam was trying to get me. So I've just brushed Sam and lucky Greg was there and Sam turned around, Greg was right there and you can see it on the footage, just Greg saying, you know, I've got you, I've got you. And, you know, that's definitely what Sam needed at that time with a broken face. So, um, yeah, that was a tremendous, tremendous game from Sam. I've never yeah, witnessed that kind of stuff before. Broken face, playing 80 minutes in the middle. It's just... Um, yeah, it's unheard of, that stuff. Alex Johnston, the god of first try scoring punters, did his <laughs> thing in the 20th minute. 6-0 lead at half time. Looking back, gee, it was a tough and brutal and physical first half. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, the dogs really came to play. and But we were on. We I think we completed 19 out of 20 sets. Awesome. And um, obviously to have a 6-0 at half time, well, I was pretty happy because I felt like we put a lot of work into them, and um, you know we just had to come out and keep completing, and the game opened up, and um, yeah, it did towards the end. A lot of credit goes to Sam, but brother George was enormous. How good was his try early in the second half? Oh, that was amazing. Obviously, yes, that's what I was talking about with Appy having an um, imprint on the game. He actually does a lot of work. Um, to get the markers going the wrong way, and yep. then just just to find George one on one like that, it's he's going to be hard to stop it. You know, ten out. I think he's. Um, I think T Rex tried to stop him and just pushed him out the way, and you know, barged over. So, um, yeah, he was he was enormous for that year, George. He had probably his best year that two thousand fourteen. He was um, he was pretty much unstoppable. He's got a few tries too. So yeah, he certainly was, mate. It was only the last. I don't know, seven or eight minutes where you guys sort of dominated on the scoreboard and and ran away with it. When did you know you had it won? When did you feel comfortable? Um, it probably went when I kicked that um, the goal from the sideline after yep. Tommy scored. Yeah, I think we we're, we're, were up by eight then. Yes. Something like Yeah, we're up by eight and, um, you know, Tommy scored a miraculous try in the corner now. We got it down, but... Um, obviously, Adam, the kicker from the sideline, put us 14 in front. Um, that was huge. That was massive. What did it mean to play for, to captain, and then to win a premiership for the club you'd always loved? Oh, it's just um, it's a dream come true, to be honest. Um, growing up, you know, going through the grades at South and, you know, um, obviously getting my chance early on when I was 19. Um, mm. Yeah, so to, like, to set, think I've come all the way through South and the only place I've wanted to play at, and um, you know, to get the C against uh, against uh, next to my name and um, making the grand final was huge. I just for probably like for about a, uh, two weeks before the grand final, I was actually like every night thinking about holding that trophy up. So yeah. it was a bit of um, a bit of drive actually drive for me. You know, because I want to do it for everyone in this um, South District and especially for my, my family and my friends too. So, um, yeah, it was a dream come true and um, yeah, it's something I always think about, you know, lifting that trophy. It was uh, probably, yeah, one of the best moments holding that trophy up for 10 seconds there. A huge day and one that South's fans and players will never forget. The Rabbitohs 30, the Bulldogs 6 and the 2014 Premiers. going to catch up with Sato for a legend series interview at some stage he's on the ever-growing list of to do's uh no legend series next week no weekly wodge either we're shuffling the deck a little we're producing two feuds podcasts one is wally lewis and mark Geyer from that most famous state of origin game we speak with both guys about it and have a few guest appearances as well The other, Paul Harrigan and Mark Carroll. These two legends tell the full story of their head-to-head battles firsthand. Podcasts 
with the legends themselves. They are outstanding listens. Can't wait to get them to you next week. Hunterpromo.com.au for all your uniform needs, whatever they may be, sports uniform, work uniform, stubby holder, coffee cup, whatever. Hunterpromo.com.au and ask for my man Carpy for an unfiltered deal. We are jacked and stacked this episode. Still to come, Nico Hines, Josh Morris, Christian Walsh, Josh Jackson, Daniel Elvaro, and Corey Thompson interviews with all of those legends and other legends dropped on in first. It is Clarky from Clarky's RL column all over social media. Each and every week, Clarky and myself collaborate, and Clarky comes up with his call for the week. And what we're after is for you guys to respond on Clarky's pages. Most thoughtful, most random, weirdest, oddest, or just plain best uh, responses will get read out on the podcast. Clarky, hope you're well, legend. Uh, what's your call this week? Hey, Andy and listeners, my call this week is under no circumstances should Tedesco be dropped as the New South Wales Blues fullback. And I've gone this call in response to a, a lot of talk in, in the last few weeks saying Teddy should be dropped. Amazing, isn't it? You wind the clock back 12 months and Teddy should have been dropped for Tom Travojevic. Yeah, it seems that footy fans, we have very uh, recency bias in the fact that we we failed to consider, and, and in this instance, in the context of it, Teddy is the incumbent captain for the Blues. Yeah. He's got big game experience in premierships and origin deciders, you name it, he's played in it. Um, and more to the point, he's not really out of form. He's ran for 300 metres the past two weeks the only other fullback that's done that this whole season so far is Dylan Edwards. I know Pappenhausen's in some red-hot form, but I just wonder how much of that can you really count against the factors I just threw up then. Okay. Uh, for me, absolute no-brainer. The captain is the first picked. But this is not about me. It's about what uh, the Clarkies' followers have said. And what have they said? It's, a, it's really wide-ranging, Andy. Uh, Matt Eagles comes in and he says, look, the Blues already have leaders with uh, Isaiah Yo, Nathan Cleary and Cameron Murray, so therefore he's leaning towards Pappenhausen um, coming into the side. Um, then we've got other people. We've got Angus from Instagram saying Pappenhausen has to be the 14. So there is some alignment with the fans there in the fact that they do think Pappenhausen has to be there somewhere. Love what Bradley Knight said on Facebook. Papa is in better form, but Origin is a different beast. Some players step up at Origin, like Gagai, Brent Tate, for example, think Teddy should get the nod. He enjoys big games. This from Joseph Hanna, Teddy his own state of origin and the New South Wales fullback position for the last five years or so. Pappenhausen deserves to be in the New South Wales team, but off the bench as a, stri- as a strike weapon utility. Yeah, for me, Pappenhausen's the 14. I think when he did play 14 there for the Storm for a couple of years, when he was still, not a couple of years, sorry, for the mm-hmm. one season, really, he burst onto the scene, but he was incredible there off the bench and he really had impact. Um, some people disagree that they're Aaron, Aaron Bowden, sorry, said, look, because Pups can't play nine or seven, you simply can't have him in the 14. He's either at fullback or he's not on the side at all. That's what I tend to agree with. I've got... Uh i got Nico Hines, actually, as my 14 because Nico can play 9, can play back row, can play 13, 6, 7, 1. Um, I, I think you get more out of Nico Hines, and that's not a slide on Ryan Pappenhausen. I just think he covers more injury dilemmas. And, and look, the 14 is often there for the injury dilemma. Yeah, the 14, that really is the, the purpose that it solves in origin. You can't really afford to have four middle forwards on the bench there just in case of injury. You make a great point. Personally, I have Pappenhausen more um, so looking at it from a form perspective. But like you said, if you're looking at it from a versatility perspective, then I think Nico Hines is a great option there. Look, Andy, we always say every week we want to hear the uh, the bold calls. And we've got one here from Michael Wiseman. I personally have to respectfully disagree, but he says Ruben Garrick might be a future Blues fullback because he's playing great this year. There's a Seagulls fan. I'm going to cross over here, my man, to a Rabbitohs fan, Jay Longbottom, and he finishes this with a fishing reel and a fish. So I think the only way Tedesco misses out on being the fullback is if Latrell's hamstring comes good and he's available for Origin 1. Uh, yeah, we're biting. We're also laughing, Jay. That's a, that's a beauty. 
Nothing like a bit of bias from footy fans, is there, Andy? Tell you what, a lot of good fullbacks going around at the moment. Um, I think it will be James Tedesco. I think it should be James Tedesco. But to uh, the hundreds, literally, of responses on Facebook and Instagram, we're glad you've had your say. You'll get this opportunity each and every week on this podcast, The Weekly Watch, through Andy Raymond Unfiltered and through Clarkie's RL column, where we can find it at... Instagram and Facebook mainly, guys, but Clarkie's Rugby League column all across social media. Question, what's the greatest sound in the world? But what's better than cracking a coldie? Cracking half a dozen. This is Six Pack of Superstars revealing our top six. And joining us for a six pack from the Cronulla Sharks, Nico Hines, a wonderful young player establishing what I think is going to be a really long career in the NRL. He served his apprenticeship with the mighty Sunshine Coast Falcons in the Q Cup. So we've tasked him with coming up with his best six Falcons players that moved into the NRL. Fire away, big fella. Who you got? Oh, um, you can't go past Harry Grant at the moment. Yeah. Um, he spent he spent two years, I think, um, playing his trade in, in the Q Cup with the Falcons. So um, he's definitely one. I think Big Tino. Yep. He, he's from he's from Gympie and he uh, comes through the I think the juniors with the Falcons um, and look how good he's going. He's played Origin, won a premiership, so can't go past him. And um, I had to think about the boys who come to the Falcons first. Yep. Without a storm contract, and then ended up getting a storm contract. So I think that's pretty important to recognise, and that's someone like Riley Jacks, yes. um, Tui Kamakamitha. Um, and Chris Lewis, so those three guys who worked hard to not only get an NRL contract at first, but had to come through the system at the Falcons. And um, so those three guys, I reckon, deserve to be in that conversation. And even Justin Olam, um, yeah. he's he's a, a player that I think is going to be the best centre in the game um, over the next couple of years and had a terrific year this year as well. So I don't know how many that is. I think that might be six. There's six. Harry Grant, Tuno, Fasua, Mala, Awi. Easy for you to say. Riley Jacks, <laughs> Tui Kamakamitha, Chris Lewis, and Justin Olam. When you look at it like that, and you also look at names that you, you you've left out of that six, gee, they're doing a wonderful job up here. Chris Flannery and his team on the Sunshine Coast with the Falcons. Yeah, they are. Flannery's doing a tremendous job, and um, I reckon it's a genuine pathway. Like you look at a lot of other Q Cup clubs, and um, they say that their pathways are, are working really well. But if you look at the success at the moment of the Falcons and the players who have come here to go to the Storm and then had a successful career at the Storm as well. It's unbelievable. And um, if you're looking for a, a genuine pathway through the Falcons to the Storm, then I reckon if you're a young fellow, you'd be looking to come here for sure. Absolutely. We're still going to claim you as one of ours. You might be a Central Coast boy, but you got a spot on the Sunshine Coast. Nico Hines, thanks for dropping in, legend. Ah, thank you. This is the part of the podcast where we've put you in charge. You're asking the questions. Our superstars are giving their answers. Look out. Let's start with Josh Morris. Okay, we've got questions from your fans. Let's go from Trevor at Ulladulla. How's the last few weeks been since your last game? Any emotion changes? Um, probably more relaxed. Um, yeah, I guess knowing that I don't have to go back to a uh, a preseason, um, knowing that I can uh, have a few beers whenever I want, uh, can eat a, a a bag of chocolates and not have any <laughs> uh, any regret about it. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say I'd be yeah pretty relaxed with where I am right now. I'll just follow that up. You're a calculated, you're a clever young bloke, and I've got no doubt you put a heap of thought into your decision. The timing, why do you reckon it was right? Uh, oh, my body was telling me. Was um, it? Yeah, some days it, after I finished training, I could barely walk, and um, yeah, I was just getting little niggles, and they were just adding up and adding up and adding up, and you know, finally. Got a decent injury with the hammy strain, and yep. that was the first one I'd ever had. And 
Um, yeah, I, I guess yeah, your body tells you when you you're ready to go. You want to be playing at a level that you think is acceptable. And if I kept on playing, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So um, the time was right. And now let's head south to Christian Welsh. This is from Blake from Woolongabba. How close were you, mate, to choosing to be a Queensland Red and not a Queensland Maroon because you've got a very successful schoolboy union background? Oh, I wouldn't say it was that successful if I got brushed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was, I was a really mad keen rugby union player at high school. I didn't really make any rep teams. I didn't make any league rep teams either, to be honest. So um, I tried to pursue that. Uh, and uh, I don't know if I would have made it or not, but I... Uh, there's a group of schools, seven schools or eight schools that play together. We formed the AIC competition in yep. Brisbane. And um, I played inside centre, believe it or not, in, in rugby union back in the day. And the guy who who was the top inside centre when I was in grade 11, he actually repeated. And his name's Sam Johnson. He played at St. Edmunds College in Ipswich. Yeah. And now he's the Scotland starting 12. So he's yeah. gone over there. He's got an incredible career. So he's a fantastic player. So um, by him repeating, he was basically ahead of me. Uh, for that ARC team, which goes to the schoolboy trials, wow. which uh, I suppose gets a lot of attention. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of tried to go through that route and, and didn't make it. And I was actually spotted at the rugby union school trials by Paul Bunn, schoolboy school trials by Paul Bunn, who was working at the Broncos at the time. And he said, well, you know, I can't get you any contract. I can't give you a 20s deal, but you can come in and train a couple of times. We'll see how you go. So that's how it all began, I suppose, coming across from Union to League. Not everyone's successful as a, a school kid. A lot of guys give it away. What's been the key to your success, mate? Is it simply working your ass off because you know you had to? Yeah, and I think, you know, for all the listeners out there, it's, um, you know, rugby league, it's, you know, there's a lot of talented, incredible athletes and that, but there's always a place for hard workers and, I suppose, tough footballers, you know, that's yep. so highly valued. And I think it's pretty rare in sport these days, you know, like that that's still valued. Um, so I think that's where I fit in really well. And I think, you know, I, I get really lucky. I was working, I was playing down at East Tigers in Brisbane, which is the feeder club for the Storm and um, was moved down to the Storm for under 20s. And the things I do really well is, you know, the efforts off the ball and um, defensive mindset. I think if I went to another NRL uh, club in the 20s program, I probably would have come out of the system. But I was just very lucky that the club valued that. Uh, and they gave me time. Uh, I know the 20 system gets bagged a lot, but it was two years for me to really develop up from being, you know, rugby union inside centre, uh, you know, pretty skinny and not much on me to, to filling out, to, to being able to play in the front row against guys like a Burgess and a Hargrave. So, uh, yeah, I think I've just got lucky in, in a lot of respects. Has the filling out been natural in the in the fact that you've, you've been able to carry the weight and put on the weight pretty easily? Uh, well, it is now when I'm getting a bit older, but no, not early days. It was actually a real struggle to put on weight, so I was, you know, working hard with a dietitian, uh, you know, throughout 20s, I'd sit in my arm at 3 a.m. and I'd um, have a protein shake and a couple of peanut butter sandwiches and then go back to bed. And yeah, so I had to really work hard. But I mean, it's, it's not the worst job if, if you've got to put on weight instead of lose weight. Yeah. So, you know, from trying to bulk up, and, and I was lucky to have a really great host family who, who fed me really well. And um, so I'd much rather have it that way than, than having to try to get under, which I'm probably this off season, I'm probably a kilo too, too big at the moment. Like it, you could have just come on stage, stayed with me for an off season. <laughs> followed my diet, you would, have, uh, you would have bulked up as much as you wanted and probably then some. Hey, Legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. How would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want, and when you want. Next week, we could be promoting you right here. Packages start from as little as a couple of hundred dollars. If you're interested in joining our team, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab. Go to andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. there a difference between being a captain and being a leader? Some say yes, some say no. 
What say you, Josh Jackson? Yes or no? Same or not? Um, it's a pretty, pretty philosophical question, yeah. mate. Um, not that I've put too much thought into it. Um, I guess so. I guess you can just um, be a captain with the C next to your name and, and not be a leader. Yeah. Um, but being a leader for me is all about um, what you do every day, um, the, the habits that, that, that you, I guess, create and, and how you show um, younger guys coming through how to be a first grader. So certainly it's something that's um, that's very important to me to make sure that um, that I'm the one that's that's leading the way um, off the field um, as well as well as on the field. Who were the leaders at the club when you were a young fella? Who were the guys that you learnt from and and learnt those habits? Yeah, I was really lucky. We had some we had some great leaders. Um, I guess when I was playing um, in the under twenties. Um, got the opportunity to train with the first grade side um, a little bit and back then um, Andrew Ryan was probably yeah. the big one for me and wasn't just so much of, of how he trained it was just how good a bloke he was off the field and mm. he was just so approachable and so humble and um, always made you feel welcome and um, Mick Ennis was another one who, who was the exact same um, and I've made sure that um, as I've got older and I guess there's some younger guys coming through similar to, to how I was, I've made sure that I always try and make people feel welcome and, yep. and try and stay humble and, and be really approachable. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, but I guess when I was playing the big ones, um, for me, that's that stand out of uh, Mick Ennis and James Graham. Um, they were the two captains that I, that I played under. Um, Mick just being such a um, professional in everything that he'd done and, um, uh, Left, left nothing to chance yep. um, just with his preparation. Um, I roomed with Mick for, for a few years and, and sort of got to see see um, see everything in, in how he prepared and uh, just such a professional. And um, James Graham, just um, just the will to win, sheer will to win and um, just so competitive and um, just left nothing um, out on the field. Wonderful insight, mate. Really appreciate it. Good luck with the doggies. Thanks, mate. Changing clubs, what actually changes? Does everything change or does anything change? Daniel Alvaro debuted for the mighty Parramatta Eels back in 2015, on my birthday, actually, May 29. In 2021, he changed to the St George Illawarra Dragons. What was the first big change you noticed between the two clubs, mate? Um, well, it's hard to say because, like you say, footy clubs are pretty similar in how they go about um, go about things. But um, probably just the stages both groups are at. Like Parramatta were kind of a more um, they probably put a couple of good seasons together and sort of everything together. Whereas the Dragons with a new staff and new playing group and boys still coming back, um, really trying to sort of not start from scratch, I guess, but really trying to build something from a. Um, Closer to start place, I guess I'd mm. probably explain. But no, it's like like footy. Yeah, I think everyone's doing pretty similar things in footy. But um, no, it was good. Like the boys really welcomed me in straight away, and so did the coaches. Um, I worked with a couple of them before, and um, it was a bit closer to home for me too. Yeah. Um, so no, I really enjoyed it from the start. Is training, are the processes, are the preparations, from what you gather, um, reasonably similar from club to club? Because on the field, really, most clubs play a pretty similar style of footy. Yeah, exactly. Everything's pretty similar, mate, whether it's training loads, what you do at training and your schedule and, and how you play as well. Like you said, everyone has pretty similar game plans. Um, it's just being able to get it right on the day probably sets people apart. Uh, but, yeah, apart from that, everything's pretty similar, just learning new names of plays and things like that. Are you using the change of clubbers? I don't know, I, I guess an opportunity midway through your career to reset and go again, a, not so much a new lease of life, but another challenge in the journey that is a career? Yeah, no, definitely, mate. Um, my time had sort of, uh, was kind of up, I guess, at Para, and that's just the way sort of footy goes. They'd sort of moved in a different direction, and I was really lucky to get the opportunity of the Dragons. So, um, yeah, definitely a reset and um, something to work hard and, and a challenge to go again, so... Um, which I've been really enjoying this year. Um, and, yeah, so I guess you're right, definitely a reset and something to, to build on again. Enjoy your time at the Dragons, Big Nuts. Good luck on the weekend. Thanks, Legend. 
Random thoughts, and sadly, I still have many of them. What do we look for in a hooker in the modern game? A good motor, as in a guy that can play long minutes. A good passing game, good tackle technique, and an acceleration when required. Okay, think about those traits and ask yourself, who has got them but isn't playing number nine and maybe never has been thought of as a number nine? I've got one for you. This bloke, our guest. But before I tell you who it is, I'll ask him. Do you reckon you'd be comfortable at nine, mate? Because, yes, it's a huge change from where you play, but you do have all of those traits. Yeah, I'd, I always said that I'd, I'd probably be a really good number 14. Um, yeah. You know, sitting on the bench, letting you know, letting that, that hooker absorb the brunt of the start of the game and um, getting the big boys tight and then coming on and just causing havoc around the ruck, obviously... You know, you look at some of the smaller hookers, they don't have any problem making, you know, tackles and third man in. And a lot of the tackles in the middle aren't one-on-one. So yep. you don't really worry about the size of your hooker because the big boys are, are helping all the time. So, you know, I've always thought that, you know, I'd make a really good number 14, but they don't score many tries and that's something I love doing as well. So, Our guest is the great man from the Gold Coast Titans, winger Corey Thompson. I reckon you'd be a fabulous number nine. We've seen you play a lot of wing. We've seen you play a lot of one over the course of your career. Are you comfortable anywhere else on the field, any other positions, or is wing and fullback your, your limit for the for the moment? Obviously, I played um, fullback at East Tigers in the Queensland Cup when I was younger and played fullback all through my juniors and wing as well. Mm. Um, I also played... Um, center for reserve grade when I first signed with the Bulldogs. Okay. Um, Desi Hasler put me at left center for um, the Bulldogs reserve grade team for I think three or four weeks, and I really enjoyed that as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not quite uh, I'm not fussed where where the coach would put me, even if he said you know you have to line up in the number eight this week. I'd I'd go buy some headgear and you know <laughs> strap their strap their head up and run at some big fellas and do my best. Oh, I love it, Corey Thompson. Thanks for dropping in, my man. Thank you. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. Don't know how, don't know why, but the rating and reviews really help us, guys. Trying to spread the word about Unfiltered and bring you more for free. If you could spare that 30 seconds it takes when you're done, we'd appreciate it. Five stars. And in your review, just say, because Andy asked me to. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The winner of this week's cap is Andrew Duncan of Port Macquarie. Thanks for the review, legend. Your trucker's cap is on its way. Ah, take a breath and enjoy it. The footy is on and your weekend is sorted. Enjoy the game, order a pizza, grab a coldie, go hard on a five-leg multi, and don't forget, as always, back pikey in the last. Listener.